Ahoy, ahoy, and welcome to What We Consume, a show about all the things we put into our minds and bodies. I am your host, King Hagathor, and I didn't actually write an episode this week, so... King, it's Michael. Michael! I've got a special report that just came in. You gotta hear this. Have you ever heard of Metal Gear? Metal Gear? The 13 meter tall bipedal tank? That's supposed to be a myth. Sort of. I'm talking about the Metal Gear series. Kevin may need to hear this too. Kevin? Oh, is, is that for me? That's my intro? We're codexing? Now we're uh, 90% into the codex and that's going to be the entire episode is just codexing green text and my mouth barely moving. I'm here. Uh, let's listen to some Metal Gear, I guess. Let's talk about it. What we consume. At least we didn't have to do the original Metal Gear, because that'd just be... <laughs> yeah. I, wa- I watched a... I, so, I watched a video just to do a little bit more research, because I was confused about a couple of things, because the timeline is interesting, and there's... The timeline's bonkers. There's so many things, but he I, he was foreign, and instead of saying gear, he was saying, like, uh, jeer. Metal jeer. Oh, gear. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, we're doing an episode on Metal Gear today, uh, and Michael actually wrote this, so I'm going to let him take it from here. Also, right, if, you yeah, guys well, didn't, hold on, hold on, if you guys didn't know, I'm here. So I'm part of this episode, too. I, I, I know that was a, a weird intro from me, but I, this whole thing's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's like the skeletons in David S. Pumpkins. So Wait, What? We- what is They're what is part of it? What is David has pumpkins? Uh, I'll show you later. <laughs> I don't know so, what that is. I I know we said we are doing Metal Gear, but we're specifically for the most part discussing Metal Gear Solid, which had released in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, yeah, because if we tried to do this entire thing, we'd be here for like three days. Of course, it would be awful. Um, so, do you have you guys ever played any other Metal Gear games, at least like growing up at all? I have played one Metal Gear for about 30 minutes, and then I never played a Metal Gear again. I was a Splinter Cell guy. If it was a Sneaky, it was Splinter Cell or, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot what that game is. Is it Sly Cooper? Yeah. Where he he's a little like... Is it a fa- raccoon. a raccoon? Yeah, that. Those are the those are the stealth games that I played. So I actually kind of have a story for this. Uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, we were mostly Nintendo until Xbox came out, and then we were mostly Xbox. And for the most part, I still am. But um, but at one point, uh, when I was in junior high, I got a GameCube, and I had it for a couple of years. Played a few games on it, but it was really came down to just me not having enough money to support two consoles. And it was just like, I could just play most of my games. Like I'd be sacrificing Mario and a couple of others, but for the most part, like I'd be able to get all the games that I want, like the cool games, uh, on the Xbox. So one of the games I had gotten with the GameCube was twin snakes, the remake of metal gear one. And I 
was just overwhelmed by it. I played it a little bit and was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Meanwhile, like, Splinter Cell, much more intuitive to me, personally. Uh, it just made more sense. Like, it looked better. Like, just because of when it was released and everything. Uh, so, like, I just couldn't get drawn in. Finally, I was like, alright, look, I'm gonna sell all my GameCube stuff so that I can buy more Xbox stuff. So I took it to an EB Games. Rest in shit, you little fuckers. And I took all of my stuff, a couple controllers, uh, the GameCube, a handful of games, and uh, the guy behind the counter was, like, racking it all up, and he was like, oh, the special edition. And I was like, oh, sweet, that means I'm gonna make more money. And then, like, he gave me the money. It was only, like, 30 bucks or whatever, which I was like... I don't, that doesn't seem right, but like, deal's done. I walk out of there, I look at the receipt. He gave me 25 cents for Metal Gear. Oh, no. It's like, what the fuck? Special edition, so, 25 yeah. cents. Uh, so, uh, I didn't play another Metal Gear until earlier this year when Michael finally wore me down to start playing Metal Gear Solid 5, which I really liked. He said he wanted to do this episode, so I bought the, was it called the, Remaster it's, edition? It's the Master Collection Volume 1. Yeah, so uh, we've been playing through that and talking about it. And uh, I've, got, I've got some fucking thoughts on this game, but uh, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so with me, I recall my faintest memory with it was like playing Metal Gear Solid 2 a little bit and having no idea what I was doing when I was a child. I was like, none of this makes sense to me. I'm not playing this. And so I just never played it. Until I did what King pretty much did was just uh, Phantom Pain or Metal Gear Solid 5 was on sale for like five bucks. I was like, okay, fine, I'll give this a shot. Absolutely loved it. It watched many gameplays of all the other games. And I was like, I really want to do this. So and now we're here doing it. So that was pretty much all I had about. <clears throat> curious about if y'all had any prior interactions with the Metal Gear series at all. No. Well, I've also seen a lot of, like, clips and especially the memes, because there's a lot of very clippable moments in this whole series. And there's a lot of memes based off it. I mean, like, it is a very important, impactful series, so, like, of course it's gonna have a fan base, and that fan base, uh, really enjoys certain parts of it. Oh, yeah. From the alert sounds to cardboard boxes to like the codec scenes and other like the game over scenes as well like people make fun of that and so i mean it's it's certainly stayed in like the cult the its culture i guess in the the pop culture realm that it's in it definitely reminds me of a 90s game like because i played a lot of games as like a kid and a lot of like just because when you're growing up in the '90s and even in the like the early 2000s, you're playing old games. I mean, you're just getting a game and it's new. You're not like buying the new best thing, just because you don't know everything's new to you at that time when you're young. You also just can't afford it. Yeah, it re- it reminded me so much of like the old, the first and second Red Faction games, like just like how outlandish the game actually is. And it reminded me wholeheartedly of like '90s early PlayStation and '90s games. yeah games like Resident Evil and <clears throat> yeah games it's, of that nature. It definitely encompasses that, and uh, I I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there needs to be 
more games along that line. I am very tired of pushing realism games. Like, we've had that for 20 years at this point. Like, let's go a different direction. Like, that's why people loved Borderlands. That's why people loved, like, Fortnite when it came out. Like, we're tired of realism. Make it be weird. That's totally fun. And you do get that if you look more into the indie scene, but it's a grab bag in that sense as well. Yeah, it's usually, like, underfunded or, like, very limited staff, like, doing whatever they can, which can sometimes create, like, amazing stuff, and sometimes it just creates garbage, which it can, on its own, be entertaining, but, uh, yeah, you... you you never really know what you're going to get. So you could be funding something that never comes out or it comes out and it's not nearly what it claims to be or like it comes out and it exceeds all expectations. I have played Snake in um, Smash Brothers though. I mean, if, does that count? It's, it's kind of. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just throwing grenades up in the air over and over again. I actually have a, a fun fact about that, but it's not that big of a deal if, if we come back to that. So, I figure, since we went over that, we can start at the beginnings. Starting with Hideo Kojima's birth. He was born August 4th in 1963. When he was around the age of four, his family had moved to Setagawa, Tokyo. And, uh, well, no, moved from, from Setagawa. There. My apologies. He was born in Setagawa, and they moved from there to Osaka. His father, Kingo, was... <laughs> King got a really big kick out of that when we were going over that. I guess because it's got King in it. It's just a it's just a sweet name, it Kingo. Is a, it is a sweet name. So anything but, uh, with King in it's a sweet name. Oh no, no, it's mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you but, uh, what? Never mind. That was going to be a lame joke. I'm going to just move on from it. <laughs> but his father, Kingo, was a formulist, a pharmacist, and he frequently frequently traveled. Um, his father also had a love for cinema and his parents made a habit out of watching a movie every night when they could. So like they watched movies all the time. That, that, that's like a, that was a big thing for their family. Yeah. And, I thought my family watched a lot of movies, <laughs> but like every night is just like, damn. All right. And to quote for Kojima from the guardian, it was during that time that my parents introduced a family tradition. Every night we would all watch a film together. It wasn't allowed to, or I wasn't allowed to go to bed till the film had finished. The opposite of how it was for most children. My parents were huge fans of westerns, European cinema, and horror in particular. They wouldn't just show me kids' films. I'd even see the sex scenes. So like, he's been exposed to so many films in. If that was modern times, he would uh, be getting a call from defects because that's a form of child abuse, depending on how old he was. Especially, when, uh, especially it, exposing your young child to sex scenes, that can be considered a sexual abuse now. When uh, when I was a kid, uh, like at first, my mom would like cover my eyes whenever there was like any form of nudity or anything like that. Uh, eventually, like I just liked watching movies so much. That, like, she would go to cover my eyes and be like, yeah, 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 I gotta keep going. Because I didn't want them to, like, fast forward through it like they Doing would sometimes do. Or whatever. 
Well, uh, my parents would do that oh. too. They'd be like, "Oh, we forgot about this scene." It's just like, "No, no, no! I want to hear the dialogue. I want to know what's going on." Yeah, I my never... parents or babysitters just never gave a shit. So I've seen like scary movies I never really wanted to see when I was younger. So like, it took me a long time to get into scary movies because I was just scarred by them as a child. Because I was just like, "This isn't something I I wanted to see." Because I was really young. All the movies I ever watched were all like myself or with my friends. My mom, I love her, but she could never sit through a movie at the house. I don't know why, but she always got up and always left. And it would be like the first 15 minutes she would watch. And then she's gone for the rest. And then she'll come back after it's done. I was like, we were supposed to be watching a movie together. You didn't watch me. I think the only movie, there's only like one movie I remember watching Fully with her, and it's called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. But, like, other than that, I don't remember. I mean, I'm assuming we did when I was a kid, but there's not, like, vivid memories of watching, like, more grown-up movies. But the, the rest were with uh, with my friends. And then my dad, because they were divorced, the only thing I ever watched on my dad's was NASCAR or racing. And with an interesting time. Left turn. Woo. Hey, there's a lot more to it. There's a no, lot no, no. You don't understand it. the point system. The point system, Michael. Not even the right. well, back. Well, that's new. The point system is like uh, it's, that's bigger and new now. It worked off like I'm not getting into NASCAR, but it's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot more with like tuning and like how you set up the car and how you preserve your gas and stuff. Yeah. But let's let's I digress with that. All that matters from that is raise hail, praise Dale. All that matters, bro. Uh, <laughs> we got on NASCAR when when he died. I had vivid dreams of like him oh, dying no. and like your own personal nine eleven. It, well, it, it it affected me. Like I had a like I had a dream, and like I woke up and like he was dead, but he was in the dream. But we like lived in like the same place together, and it was like just so sad. Because like because my dad and all of his friends were very like they're still obsessed with NASCAR and like race race car driving. They grew up dirt track driving. My grandfather did. They've won a lot of championships and everything. Uh, if my dad wouldn't have had a stroke, I probably would have driven dirt track for the last like twenty years. But he had a stroke, so I didn't have the chance or the money to do it. Well, definitely but like, dude, it affected me. It like super bad. It was wild. I wasn't expecting you to trigger a, a thing like oh, that. Well, I think I think it's because it was like I was ten, and it was like Dell Earnhardt was the biggest like star that I knew at that time because I was. I mean, I liked football and stuff, but I wasn't like into football. The only thing that we ever really watched on Sundays was NASCAR. Right. Yeah. So I didn't mean to empty or open that can of worms. That was unexpected a little bit to me. So. By the time Kojima had reached age 10, his parents encouraged him to watch films by himself. So they would give him money to go to the cinema, but on the condition that he go home, that when he got home, after they would discuss the film with him. So pretty much doing a damn podcast probably on discussing a film. It's kind of like <laughs> Just an to oral his parents. Um, yeah. To quote The Guardian get again, uh, they would give me money to go to the cinema by myself. He says, I was allowed to go on the condition I came home and discussed the movie with him afterwards. I had to buy the film brochure and bring it back with me. Then we would talk about the movie's themes and direction and 
what I had felt. So, so they're really into cinema. Yeah, so well, you can tell how this is molding well, where, where's he? Where's he from? Like what, Japan. What, Japan. So like, they're also big on education, so they were probably like, even though they were big on cinema, they were probably using it to push his education as well. Like, because you're going back and talking about like themes and stuff. Like, right. Well, how old was he when when this was happening? It started. It, when this he, was when he was ten. Yeah, uh, but but starting from like the age of yeah. four or a, like whatever. A ten year old in the U.S. or any other country, they have no idea what a theme even is at that time. They're like, we have no idea. I have no idea. I did. Yeah, but look at you. Another. Yeah, look at me. Another insult. Bitch. <laughs> Keep going. So that was. A lot there. I guess I suppose that was just a majority of his, you know, just growing up. He, he was molded by movies. Even his Twitter bio is quoted to say, 70% of my body is made of movies. And he makes it a part of his day to attempt to watch a new movie every day, which is yeah. fascinating because like I, he would, he would go to his office at work and he would sit down and just like, I don't know if he had like a full setup or if he just had like a portable DVD player, but he would just like, okay, for the next hour and a half, I'm watching a movie. Boom. And that it, sounds it, exhausting. It even, it even goes on to, to today. Like he, he'll post on Twitter that, and, and you can tell when he likes a movie or doesn't like a movie because if he likes a movie, he'll put like a whole use up the character limit almost on a description for the movie and like how he felt about it. And if he didn't like it, he would just say, I went and saw this, uh, <laughs> which happened recently, like where he went to see the Marvels and he said, I saw the Marvels and then posted a couple of pictures of it. And that was it because he didn't care about the Marvels most likely. But that, that's kind uh, of like his Twitter bit. Yeah, the Marvels is an interesting movie right now it's i mean to be fair it's what like movie 27 of the marvel universe like it's kind of impossible for it not to be kind of stale at this point yeah, they're yeah. just they need it's a to... shame they finally let women lead it after it got stale but you know whatever yeah they're yeah i'm not oh, that was that's a whole different episode <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> because i can talk like not for, just on the movie but what how the what they've done with the women characters and that they that they definitely need to do a lot more because they have they have solid things they're just not executed. Yeah, and there's a lot of like really cool characters, but like at this point, a lot of people just don't care anymore because they're it's oversaturated. Yeah, well that, uh, that's but, that's why they just need to bring back the X Men and Fantastic Four, get fully away from freaking the regular Marvel that regular Marvel timeline, switch it back up. This isn't a Marvel. We're, don't get me started. We'll be uh, this. This podcast will be four hours long. Anyways, since uh, again, loves movies. He tried to practice filmmaking with his friends, but none of them are interested. Uh, so yeah, that like kind of uh, fell flat for him, I guess, because like, he had no one else. To yeah, he he would he would get uh, like sometimes his. Uh, Sometimes he was able to convince, like, his parents and, like, his friends to, like, go film something or, like, to give them money to go film something. And then, like, by the end of it, they'd just be like, we didn't get any filming done. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, we did, but, like, we rushed it in the last hour of daylight. 
like, he was definitely motivated, but, like, he just couldn't get anyone else involved, which is, like, I think just part of, like, the culture and the time period. Like, this would have been, I don't know, the 70s. Like, there's a lot of filmmaking going on, but uh, most of the stuff in Japan was still, like, pretty low budget. They certainly didn't have, like, Hollywood money, so right. it wasn't as, it wasn't as, like touted as it was in america at the time i completely understand because when i tried to jet uh rocket my uh youtube career in high school and early uh college nobody would commit with me and i was too much of a pansy to like commit to do it alone mainly because i had no idea what i was doing and it was terribly scary and uh, until I figured out that I could do it, I felt I was now I'm stuck in a vortex and I don't know how to, how to get out to figure it to make content. But we, we make we make this awesome name. We make these videos. We stay up all night, make this really cool intro. We do like five, what, five, six videos. And then the boys just like stop. And I'm like, I would have never stopped. I would have went to my grave with you guys on making this. We would have done whatever. I would have done whatever it took. And then they just, they just didn't commit. You are certainly on one today. And you know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about. I, I just don't want to. Sh- I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to shout out that uh, that YouTube channel just because I'm, I I might get embarrassed. I'm just saying, <laughs> you're, you're just uh, you're on one today when it comes to some of these topics. But I, you're, you're it's really, great that you're. I love your energy that you're. You're stroking you my. You're stroking my heartstrings. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can I can definitely sympathize with that. Like I I went to, I went through high school like mostly focusing on film. I went to college specifically for film but you got to have time money and typically people and i never had any (laughs) so all my ideas involved other people i could never figure out anything to do myself like i wasn't interesting enough to do vlogs like like to be fair the people who do vlogs aren't interesting enough to do unless your name is casey neistat then he's wonderful and changed my life Jesus Christ. Anyways, so we're here now doing group content, and you guys, even before me joining on, you guys have been doing it for probably over half a year before I even joined. And, and what did I say? All I needed was one friend. King's got me, and regardless of what happens, out of pure, like, I won't quit this. Out of pure, like, I told him I would do it. If we do it until I die, I'll do it, regardless of what I said, because I committed to him. Even if I hated it to my core, I wouldn't give up on him, because I told him I'm going to do it. I'm not one of those other people. I'm committing. So and This is what, like, episode 77 or 78? 77. Like, yeah, we're, we're, it should be 77. I'm pretty sure. It's been doing it for a while. And I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be along for the journey now. Um, yeah, you're in it deep now. Yeah, <laughs> just so, dude, I can't wait to rub it into all these bitches who didn't commit with us. <laughs> I, I've tried to start so many things, and if we ever get big, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm gonna rub it in their face all the time, all the time, and they'll be like, "You want to come work for our company? You want to come work <laughs> for it? We'll give you a job. It will be the greatest job you'll ever have." And uh, I'm just gonna rub it in their face. All right, so before we need to knock on too much wood, um, let's get back to where we're at. So, I, you know, that kind of carried on with him through his life. He eventually went and studied economics at a university. Um, I didn't write this, so I don't know what university he went to, but it That's was a, a university. That is a Japanese education through and through. 
They're like, we love film. I want to do all this. Study economics. Study economics. economics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, eventually... He decided to join the video games industry after seeing the Nintendo Famicom, which is what we know as the Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES. Yeah, so uh, specifically it was one of the Mario Brothers games. I didn't find which one. It might have been the first one, uh, just Super Mario. Um, How? What, do you know when he was born? 63. So this would have oh, been when definitely he was the first. It was definitely the first one, because he would have been, it w- that one came out in... He was in college, right? Right after yeah, college, right. that was the eighties. Yeah, it had to be the first one. Yeah, well, they, uh, they, they had well around they had this time. Wait, there was arcades and stuff. And yeah, all yeah, but of that. no, but you, if you're talking about the one on the the specifically the on the NES, right? Yeah, the first three came out on the NES. Yeah, because they did one, two, and three, and then like two and three ended up being a bundle or something like that, right? Well, no, two. Uh, Two was kind of a weird case. We don't have time to discuss it. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> two's a but it, it it wasn't originally meant to be a Mario game, and then like got kind of pushed into that box. So, seeing after seeing like the Nintendo Famicom, he realized or recognized that there's an outlet for he has potential to uh, tell stories through the video game me- uh, medium. Um. However, at the time, it was not a really well-respected industry. Like, yeah, at the time, they didn't even have a like. A, they didn't have a Japanese term for video game developer. It like I, I don't know if they did the like English thing that they do for certain borrowed words, or if it was just like he's a computer guy. Like I, I I'm not sure what it was. Uh, did, but did he drop out of college for this? Uh, I don't know if he dropped out or not. I think he, I think he finished college, but he was just like, okay, once I'm done with this and get my degree. Yeah, it, it, it games. There's no way it wasn't the first. The first one came out in '85. He was 63. He would have been 20 in. He would have been 20 22. in '83. He would have been yes, 22 sir. in '85. It had to be the first one. It's Super Mario Bros. It came out on the entertainment system. Okay. We'll, we'll probably get to that in a way. Uh, I, I wasn't disagreeing. I wasn't. With you. I'm I was just, just like I, I'm. Tr- I'm making sure I know my knowledge of it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, he didn't find think that the Famicom was a perfect system. But I mean, it's still a lot of video game consoles. But then were relatively in their infancy. Most of the video game stuff was like arcade machines and stuff. Yeah, and if you nature. remember from like our our Doom episode, like this was right after the crash. Right. Uh, so, like, the Nintendo Entertainment System, or the Famicom, was, like, the only, or one of the only things to, like, really rise up at this point out of that rubble. Right. So, uh, he didn't think it was perfect, but as he put it, you know, right away, I thought games could become something important in the future. That's what swayed my decision. I wouldn't describe it as a setting so much as working with what was in front of me. And while it's true that I entered the games industry specifically because I couldn't find a way into movies, I soon fell in love with games. It's so different to film, it's interactive, and you need to understand people in a different sort of way. I soon fell in love with the art of making games, but all at the same time, I still harbor the ambition to make a film in the future, as always. Which, I mean, honestly, at this point, with some of the games he's released, he's pretty much made movies out of video games. Even with this or Metal Gear Solid, it feels like a movie in, to some extent. Well, when f- almost 50% of your game is 
talking and not gameplay, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, th- this is why, like, I know early on in uh, your researching this, you kept on, like, mentioning, like, Kojima should have made movies, and it's like, I don't think he should have, because, like, can you imagine him trying to, like, make any of his games into, like, <laughs> a, solely a movie? That You're probably right. Yeah. It, like, he, he needed this for, like... He he was ahead of his time, but like he needed this kind of uh, way of expression. Whereas like films, they would have been super weird, and he probably would have gotten a cult following. But like, I don't think he would have had like any sort of success because like people would be like, "Well, he did these parts really well, but also there's like." 80 percent of this movie that's just two people standing there talking to each yeah, other, yeah. and it's. With him being from Japan, there probably would never been a chance to even see the light of day of like any of his films in the U.S. unless he gained enough popularity or enough of a cult following. So, video game industry probably really did like save what he wanted to do for the most part. Um, but at the same time, I think he also kind of saved the video game part because like his work, I think, pushed other people like, and he pushed the. And, like, the video game industry to, like, this kind of storytelling. Whereas before, like, there would be, like, cutscenes, but, like, not nearly to this uh, level. I mean, he he was right that, like, video games were going to become the future. If you look at some of them now, they are, I mean... They are movies. They're movies that you play. Like, uh, what are the what are the things called? Like, where they had like the Walking Dead series and like the, the Telltale oh, series. Yeah, the, your your Telltale stuff, all of that. Like, you aren't like you're playing a game, but you're not like it's literally just a show after show. It's a movie, and it's I think it's a great way to express yourself in the, in like a different way. Like, yeah, and there's also, like, visual novels and everything. There, there's a lot of different ways that, like, that interactive, like, ability of games is different than movies, at least so far. I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if down the line someone starts experimenting with, like, actual interactive movies. Konami's already um, doing that with Silent Hill. And it's not good. going well. Well, well yeah, the, I think he's talking about, like, interactive movies as in... Like, the, well, there's been interactive movies like to where, the like... the Black Mirror, um, yeah. I think. And, like, they, star- like they started in, what, the final... There was, like, a final destination to where you could choose how they died and stuff, and that was interactive. But you're gonna have to, like... Like, there... I think until we get, like, really good VR or really good AR is when interactive movies will, like, truly become something. Does that, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, and at that point, there's going to be a lot of debate about like whether or not that's still a movie or if that's like a form of video game. Yeah, and and there's still there is some movies that like you interact with it, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which has been out for yeah. ages now. There's technically wait, there's like an unwritten or but but it, but but that wasn't a movie. That was a play. That is true. Was, I guess it started as a play. I don't know. Yeah. Even and then with they, the movie, people react to it. Yeah. With I like guess be, the back phrases and stuff like that. It all comes back down to like the following that it has. Like if people want to interact with it. 
If it wasn't like yeah. goofy and fun, they wouldn't interact with it. The same thing with this game. If this game wasn't goofy and crazy and like outlandish, it wouldn't have the following that it did. If it was just all like a plain game, like I mean, people love Splinter Cell, but they love it because of how the like, they look and stuff. But it doesn't have like a cult following to where they're weirdos about the game like Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah so unfortunately we haven't gotten a splinter cell in over 10 years exactly uh, and the only time you see sam fisher is when he gets his fucking corpse gets dragged into another game just to like remember guys we still made this we're not making another one but he's here yeah. it's just yeah oh uh, it's frustrating and didn't isn't it tom clancy's splinter cell like I mean, uh, it's a video game, but technically, like all of that stuff came from Tom Clancy's world. Sort Lo- of, yes, uh, loosely. <laughs> a lot yes. of it, but they're using yeah. the name. They're using like his, you know, what's it called? His likeness. What the hell am I saying? Yeah, they're they're, they're using his name for his cloud, legacy. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that'd be a weird episode too, but yeah, not today. So, moving on a little bit, uh, he eventually chose to work for Konami because at the time they they were the only company listed on the stock exchange, something that... The only game company. Or game company listed on the stock exchange, my apologies. So they were the only public... public yeah, like owned. Nintendo had yet to accomplish becoming part of okay. like the stock exchange yet, which he could use the that with his economics degree if he has that or whatever he would typically use that as oh yeah i work for the stock market essentially or whatever he would be doing i i, I work in finance yeah, working, so, like, is, like, i believe his go-to yeah um so his mother was pretty much the only person that did believe in him at the time when he I, I think we forgot to mention his father kingo died when he was 13 so yes yeah that is right that wasn't listed somewhere so i missed that but his father did pass away at when at a young age for kojima so it was just his mother there to help support him i believe he had like some like friends and other extended family that did kind of support him but not to the extent that his mother did he said that his his uh friends and like extended family were just like really you're doing that like you're not gonna be successful (laughs) (laughs) right uh but but like at least in interviews, he says, like, his mother was, like, his bedrock for, like, yeah, if you want to do this, go do this. Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of people didn't understand video games or video game culture in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Right, especially in Japan at this time, like... You have to remember, now, only since... Only since the blow up of Fortnite, the, the this is only since the blow up of Ninja's career is like had it turned to more like socially acceptable that you can make a career in this. You can see like you can see a drastic turn of like this is going public to media to like oh you play video games, you're not a nerd, you're just a regular person, you can do this as a career. Like, they were doing it as a career, but even if you were a developer, you were still looked at in, like, a different way. You weren't looked at as, like, a normal person. Does that make sense? I, I, 
I think you're kind of simplifying it. it there it was is. a lot of influential people before Ninja, but but uh, but that's yeah, when it, but it, I think, it has been a very recent yeah. turn. It's the same thing with like if we watched anime because around what age we are, if we watched anime in high school, we were looked at as like weird, weird people. But if you go to high school and stuff now, every be, single one of them fair, watch anime. To be fair, the only people we thought were weird, weird because they watched anime was the kid who dyed his hair blue and ran around calling himself Sonic. Yeah, or like if they like Naruto run ran around those kids. That's were, what he did. Yeah. But yeah, those the, but he was the Sonic kid. <laughs> um, but as I said, Kojima would tell people that he worked in finance, and uh, even eventually, even his mother stopped telling people what he had been doing. Yeah, because like for his first decade, like he's he's working on stuff, but he's not he's not Hideo Kojima as we know him today. He's oh that guy who decided to throw away his career playing vi- or making video games, right. and so like all of his all of his uh, mother's children, like all of his mother's friends' children, were like oh they're really big in finance, they're really big lawyer, this or that, a doctor, whatever. And she, like, finally she just had to be like, yeah, my son's doing stuff. Yeah. Isn't uh, that what you feel like your parents say about you right now, all of us? Uh, no, I have a good job. <laughs> I don't talk to my parents for one reason or another, so... My mom, my uh, mom wants me to quit my job so bad for mental health reasons. Yeah, we're we're all starting to I refuse! <laughs> I want the torture! It'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll eventually happen. So, oh yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I won't quit. I'll just let my like when the contract laps, I'll just will not sign another one. <laughs> You'll just hear the wind blowing through. <laughs> so, moving on a little bit more, she eventually saw his accomplishments, uh, but and she even played one of the later Metal Gear Solid games, three, uh, Snake Eater, but it took her like over a year to complete, and. Um, I assume that's with some help from some friends, but she was still very proud of him up until her death in 2017, which is sad. But yeah, it's also like the worst timing because, uh, like, at that point, his career had been like just skyrocketing, and then that was 2015, like right after his split from Konami. Right, but before he came out with like uh, Death, Stranding. Death Stranding, so like it was in that in between time, so it was probably like very stressful for both of them, most likely. Uh, but but still, she was proud of him. She saw his like what what he was doing. She 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 finally got to see his vision and his success. So, yay! Just yeah. so everybody knows, he's sixty years old right now. Everybody, he's sixty. He was thirty when he started production on Metal Gear Solid, which we'll get to that. So, but even if you're not young and you want to follow your dreams, you can jump in at any time. I know he's had a long career, but if you want to be like, dude, I'm tired of what I'm doing. Let me jump over here and at least try. Never too late. If you're like happiness is more important than anything else. To say is a warm gun. So that was, you know, Kojima pretty much just growing up and how he got into the video, his video game career. Um, some of his earlier works, he was a co producer, I believe. There, the, a lot of the titling for people in or for like 
people who worked on games in Japan were like he was assistant of, director. Assistant director. A lot of it was like muddled because like they didn't have like defining terms for a lot of those like positions. But um, it, it was a game called Just Penguin Adventure. Um, I've oh seen... no! It, it was it was just called Penguin Adventure. Oh my god! <laughs> that, that's 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 my writing error. Sorry. <laughs> nice Penguin Adventure. It came out on the MSX, which wasn't. I don't think it really was. You need ever to tell people in the states. I, I can't like. I think I know what the MSX is, but I don't like one hundred. It's a. It's know. a. Sh- it's it's some it, like it's kind of a halfway between a video game console and a computer yeah it's one of the first like home entertainment computers essentially which a lot of like video game consoles were i think also considered like home entertainment computers to some extent i can't think of i think like some of the ataris were considered even like home entertainment computers yeah but but it had like a keyboard and a little screen um i'm not sure if they were like oh oh, i think i know what you're talking about physically i know exactly what you're talking about okay but but, I yeah, well, there's a there's a there's a few systems that yeah. look pretty similar to that. But um, the MSX was like a joint thing with Microsoft and a lot of like Japanese companies. It, I think it was primarily in Japan that the MSX and MSX two and like one of the, I think they had like a third one before not doing them anymore. Uh, it was so it was primarily in Japan. So a lot of the Kojima got stuck working on games, mostly specifically for the MSX for his early career. One yeah, he the, wanted to be on the uh, Nintendo, but uh, but he got stuck in the MSX division. Right. Um, so his first game that he was a co-director on was Penguin Adventure, which came out yeah on the MSX. It was a sequel to Antarctic Adventure. I don't. I saw some gameplay of these games. They they're kid games didn't really bring too much to me but even then like he still like had his influence so like the first game was pretty standard kid game uh but he added more uh action game elements a greater variety of levels role-playing elements and even multiple endings which is uh he likes his multiple endings for some of his (laughs) games um, some of his other ones, which mostly, mo- they more notably came out on the MSX2, would be the first Metal Gear, which was a, at the time, scrapped project of a, a, a Contra-esque game. Yeah, uh, they wanted to make, like, a Contra, like, warfighter game, but, uh, but uh, the MSX just wasn't powerful enough to fit, like, too many enemies on the screen, so, like, difficulty was, like, very neutered so and even with metal gear he didn't even go at it at a combat perspective for the most part it was still considered a stealth game to him but it it was very limited with what msx could do after that there was snatcher which was like a more cyberpunk story driven game kind of similar to like a visual novel in some sense i believe that had released on that and on the PC 8801. Uh, I, I believe that was just another form of a home computer. And it was heavily inspired by Blade Runner and Terminator. I think even like the cover art was it the cover art for Metal Gear that actually. Metal Gear was the one that, that uh, was a ripped uh, picture of yeah. Kyle Reese from Terminator. <laughs> I don't know if you ever noticed that with 
some of those older games, Kevin, but like a lot of older games, especially from like Japan, they would like pretty much just rip off movie posters from like famous movies. Like Contra has like a rip off of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester, not Sylvester. Is it Sylvester yeah. Stallone from like Rambo? Yeah, it's, 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 it's Rambo and Dutch from a uh, predator, but they, they just like straight took their pictures and like ske- or, uh, traced over yeah, pretty much cover yeah. art. You, you would you if you like looked at some of them you're like that i that looks familiar and it's probably because it was from like a movie poster yeah i would yeah. definitely notice but i like i don't think i've looked at like old games covers a lot uh, like at all after snatcher he had released metal gear 2 solid snake that had not released uh most of these games had no releases in the u.s but Metal Gear had gained enough popularity that they um, had a separate team make a alternate sequel to Metal Gear called Snake's Revenge, which had released on the NES in 1990. Uh, so that gained some popularity in the U.S., so, but Kojima had no hand in that because there was a separate team working on it. So they're like two separate things. I don't really know if there's like too much difference stories-wise because I, I hadn't played any of these because there's dated too far back for me to want to try to enjoy them i just know it's they, all, they also story. just look incredibly hard yes after that a game which i really wanted to try to play and there's only ever been a fan port of it made on the playstation one was uh police knots which is like another cyberpunky game that was very based off of like blade runner but it had more of a buddy cop feel to it kind of like what like lethal weapon stuff like yeah kevin check the uh chat and i sent you uh the cover art for metal gear as well as like what clearly inspired it yeah they definitely took that like straight rip off yeah (laughs) that was uh quite a few games were like that even like like i said like the contra cover was the same way they Um, definitely changed snake's look over time oh yeah yeah getting into metal gear solid finally um it was originally planned for the 3DO, which was a console that came out, but it only had like a three-year lifespan. Um, Kojima was very impressed by it at the time, but it, its I don't really know what caused it to just kind of lose in the gaming market. At the time, It was the PlayStation was about to be coming out. And one of Sega's consoles, either the Genesis or the Saturn, was coming out at that time. I don't they I don't remember all the names because their names are weird for Sega consoles. And the N sixty four would have already been out. Um, but everybody so, had an N sixty four. That thing yeah. reigned supreme. Um. So when this eventually when it did come out, um, I kind of am a little bit all over the place with the scripting on this. I don't know if that was just it was the copy. Genesis that came out in '98. Okay, so it was the Genesis and like the and PlayStation were like the 3DO's biggest competitors, and they just wiped the floor with them. So the 3DO just was gone in three years. So I've never even heard of that. I had the 3DO. I, I doubt it made it out of Japan. Yeah, it, I don't think it did. Um, so product is it, like well just to before you jump in it isn't like the only other console that like 
done anything that's not mainstream was when Xbox like jumped in and somehow they like made it work because it was like dominated by all these other ones and then Xbox has been the last one. There's been nobody to jump into the console like uh, well. <laughs> there have been a couple of times, but they but they they they, they didn't work. I'm talking about like they're the last ones that worked, and that was oh the last successful. Yeah, one. that's uh, 20 years ago. The rest are just Nintendo or PlayStation models, and then you tried to get uh oh my god I, I already forgot the is it the Amazon one that they tried the, to do. There was that, and then there was the Ouya, which yeah, and was it. You also have like all those weird third-party rip-off ones that just stole Atari games and shoved them onto a console. Yeah, it's crazy like that, that like no other, no new console like people like have jumped in for twenty years to actually make it work. I mean, there's just like there's like no point to. Yeah, it's just computer now. Yeah, you'd be better off just like developing for computers or yeah. Or developing for one of the established consoles because you know it's going to sell and you know that like the console's still going to be around. Yeah. Which in some cases like it's unfortunate because you won't be able to see like some company just come out like this crazy massive dope console because like you you have PC or PlayStation or Xbox or whatever Nintendo devices out. So like there's think? really no need to. Yeah. Jump in on that at this point. So, last question about this, just so we can jump into it, because we're already fifty minutes here. <laughs> um, My God. So, do you think that the consoles, like when they actually go to more computer-like, more people will jump in? Because you have to think, like, what they have: Lenovo, HP, Dell, Apple, Microsoft. You have all these other like computers. Because they're all, like, the same. Or do you think they'll, like, gaming consoles, when they go to, like, more computery stuff, they'll just stay the same? Like, if they, if you can end up, oh, I guess it all comes down to exclusives, doesn't it? I wonder, I guess they'll, if it ever ends up to, like, porting, like, if exclusives become not a thing, they'll probably be more systems, right? Maybe. Um... Because the only reason you would buy one other than the other now is that fully exclusives. Mostly exclusives. But there is still like, oh, well, this one's got a better online support network or this one's got uh, better graphics or this one's got a Blu-ray player. Like, I mean, they all do now, but like whatever the next thing is, like if there's a next Blu-ray like style thing. Which unfortunately there probably won't be because everything's going streaming and yeah, everything's going like cloud based and or digitally downloading and cloud based stuff is still kind of really in infancy for gaming. Like even I've tried like cloud based games on my console and like there's still like if you don't have like really good internet you you see like like several issues with that. But also when the downfall of humanity happens, you better really love old movies before like or from like 2020 to now to uh like when they first started making movies if you can like find them you know because if it if it all goes cloud and then we uh have a um like ai meltdown or something to where we can't 
you know, watch on the cloud. When we have to kill the internet, like, yeah. uh, I can't remember if they did that in the Terminator, but uh, I'm almost positive they did it in, uh, they did it in Cyberpunk. I think they did it in The Matrix, too. Um, but it's just like, we gotta kill the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, while Metal Gear Solid isn't the first in its series, it is pretty much the first one to be released to a worldwide audience through Kojima himself, or in his team. Um, spacing a little bit through that um, he was given his own team specifically to, to start working on games because of like some like police knots and Metal Gear 2 all those were big enough for Konami to give Kojima his own separate team to be working on games so uh, once you started work solid is an interesting name that he chose for this because it has like multiple different meanings. One being like the protagonist is Solid Snake. Uh, it's the first Metal Gear game to be 3D. And one of them, which is kind of funny, is it's a slight. They were doing it was like a slight casting of shade towards uh, Konami's um, competitor at the time, which is SquareSoft, which I think is now Square Enix. Yeah. Uh, where because a square is just a flat two-dimensional thing so that was kind of like a throwing shade at them sort of thing meanwhile they're solid yes solid 3d cubicle polygons you know uh, polygons <laughs> polygons so while kojima partic participated as a he pretty much was like he had hands everywhere in the while the, during the making of this game he was participating as the director producer and the writer of this game uh luckily he didn't have to work on the art end of that which we'll get to uh but his t team really only consisted of like 20 people a lot of like game team or development teams were really small then i'm sure not just for kojima's team and a lot of them were former members from snatcher and police knots um but so he wanted to keep his team small regardless because it would help him get help Kojima get to know his team and also get to see what they were working on and doing. Uh, but the team size really didn't expand to that until about 1996, so like two years before its release. During then, there was only one single programmer working on the game, which I think for the up until that point, yeah, up until about that point, and he probably was still about the only one working on it. Um, there was one other notable member of his team, which was their concept artist, uh, Yoji uh, Shinkawa, which he had started as a debugger for um, Police Knots, but Kojima really liked a lot of the artwork that he had, or he, he saw potential in him. So Yeah, he, I think he like basically snatched him up straight out of college. He was just like, I like this dude's art, I want him to come work for me. Pretty much. Uh, so... While Kojima was still trying to finish up Police Knots, uh, he had Shinkawa working on concept arts for Metal Gear Solid based off of like whatever Kojima's designs were. For Snake specifically, his design, his body design was more like John Claude Van Damme, while his face, which you really only see through the codec and stuff like that, was based more off of Christopher Walken because Christopher Walken had more of like cat-like features. Rather than using someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who had like a, a blocky head or, you know, whatever, like a meat head. So I thought that was yeah, very he, interesting. He, he wanted him like strong and muscular, but he wanted him like flexible so that he 
could be more believable as like a slinking uh, yeah, type a, character a instead of guy. just yeah instead of just you know a brick shit house. And John Claude makes perfect sense. He can do the splits, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, major development for this didn't really begin till 1995, because uh, Kojima, uh, Kojima and his team wanted to aim for accuracy and realism while also making the game enjoyable and intense. During those early stages of development, him, him and his team had traveled to the United States where the uh, Huntington Beach SWAT team educated them through like demonstrations demonstrations of vehicles, weapons, and explosives. So like they had like more real world knowledge of like how these things work. Um, I believe Kojima also went to like other like facilities in Japan and like took pictures of that kind of get like ideas of like what a facility would look like for the game itself. And he really wanted to include a lot of other features that you don't see until Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, mostly, that was mostly due to the PSX, which is just a shorthand for the PlayStation, the Sony PlayStation. A lot of people shorthand it to PSX because that was like its project name and it's just also easier to type than typing out Sony PlayStation. But there was a lot of limitations to it, so he couldn't include stuff like stuffing people in the lockers Dragging bodies. Hiding bodies. Stuff like that. So that's why you see, like, I don't know if it was really shown in gameplay through the what you had watched, Kevin, but, like, when a body was, like, someone was killed, their body just disappeared off the screen. Didn't it uh, pop up, like, a box and stuff sometimes? Or like it would sometimes item? give you items. Yeah. Uh, either ammo or rations or whatever. Yeah. Right. So that, that eventually changed going into future games. Yeah, when, when they had more, a more powerful system, they could run all of Kojima's insanity. Yeah, he he absolutely insane, especially because, like, he used Legos, he used toy figures, and, like, 3D, uh, to, to model, like, the 3D regions. Like, he was using Legos and shit, just in, like, at the time... To map everything out. Yeah, to map, like, locations and, like, how the camera would work, because Sony at the time had made, like, a micro camera... So they would use that to kind of like map out locations and like how the camera would look when the character moved on the screen and whatnot. So that was a very, like, very interesting like way to make a game instead of, you know, whatever other methods. Yeah, one of his focuses on this was if the player isn't tricked into believing the world is real, then there's no point in making the game. Which, granted, 1990 eight graphics like you you really have to like now going back you really have to like let yourself agree that this is real but like at the time this was like pretty cutting edge so yeah like it was a lot easier back then for us to be like wow look at how real yeah like you you could suspend that disbelief but even like playing it now i still felt immersed in it even though i was like these graphics are not the best i still the graphics are kind of a fucking nightmare but yeah uh you you can definitely get immersed in it yeah well i mean you gotta think that it was like cutting edge technology back then if you think about when i think about old games that i played specifically like um like jedi or the not the knights of the old republic game and stuff like that if you go back and look at it now, it's super pixely. 
But when I was watching it at the time, dude, it was 4K. Like, I, like, it looked so clear and perfect to me when I was, like, playing it. But if you go back and play it now, it doesn't look anything like that. It's yeah, the it, perception it, of, like, your mind. It's kind of like uh, how, like, in the 90s, people were like, oh, my God, Lorecroft is so hot. It's like, dude, those are, like, eight pixels. Yeah. Which, and also, that helps with, like, Resident Evil in a way, too, because, like, a lot of that horror stuff looked kind of shitty, but it also looked very creepy because of how shitty it was. So your your brain had to like fill in those gaps. Yeah, you'll get horror games now that have like the same level of graphics, but like because of that, like things kind of blend together. It does kind of give it like a like ominous quality that like too much detail can actually kind of suck you out of now. Right. Um, it, it, it's crazy like how things have changed really especially for like how the voice acting worked back then uh all the english voice acting cast for this um most of them went under pseudonyms other than david Hayter, who's the voice of snake um i don't know why david Hayter was the only one to not do that but all the other ones wound up going under pseudonyms because lines for voice acting for video games and were kind of blurry. It was in a gray area. It was, it was, it was like, still like a gray area for like how voice acting worked for video games because voice acting wasn't really super big yet in video games, I would suppose. So it was kind of hard like how to, you know, if you're like breaking some sort of rule that you don't want to be breaking. But eventually they, when they re-released that on, or they remastered it for the GameCube, for the, the version of that, it's called Twin Snakes. They use their regular names. The version I got fucked over on. Yeah, and they also dropped the offensive accents for that because a lot Probably of the, for the, best. the um, several characters have um, not so good uh, accents. <laughs> but how else would you have made them believe that they were like of different descent without the accents? You're right. I totally want to hear Mei Ling probably a, a white lady doing an Asian accent. Mei Ling and Vulcan Raven are really the only, like, truly concerning ones. I, think, I don't give a fuck if somebody does a British or a Russian <laughs> accent. Yeah, that, that is fair. Even if they are supposed to be a Kurd. Yeah. Well, there's also Nastasha, too, but... Again, Russian, who yeah, cares? Right. Eventually, in 1996, it was shown to the public, but it was for the first time at a Tokyo Game Show... But it was only like a CG rendered thing. So it wasn't really like a demo or anything. It was just like a CG rendered video of this is Metal Gear Solid. What, was it a CG render or was it like a cutscene from the game? Because like all the cutscenes in the game are like made in engine. I believe it was, if I recall from a video I had watched, it was a CG rendered okay. film because they just didn't have it ready yet. Sure. Um, by 1997, a demo was short showcased at several gaming conventions, including E3, because E3 was... I don't know when E3 actually started, but 1997 is pretty early. And it uh, was received really well, uh, for like especially in American audi- audiences. And Kojima was surprised by this, and it increased his expectations for the game's performance in the American market. And with that, that's pretty much all I have for the uh, like to lead up to the story and the gameplay i know we're an hour in but that 
I don't want to be pushing it's it here. 90, we're fine. E3 was at 95. So Okay, so it was an early E3, but still an E3. It would have been it would have been like the the sweaty uh gaming nerds like you walking through like Yeah, you know it smells crazy. <clears throat> yeah. So the pre intro is um done basically with like black and then like a single color for characters uh and it like it they're their appearance is a lot more like the codec uh in terms of quality it's not like the the gameplay like no eyeballs and like no mouth movements but the mission briefing is basically snake's been retired is this the before before intro before we get to the water intro yes Yes. okay so snake snake had been retired after uh the events of Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, which which is, they bring up later in this uh, game. Like, uh, that's where you find out about Big Boss and how Big Boss was your commanding officer, but then, like, he turns on you in the first one, you kill him, he comes back in the second one. I don't think it actually explains why he comes back at, like, it does in, like, later games, but it doesn't explain then. But that's mainly a limitation of the machines that the first two games were created on. But in any case, Solid Snake is retired in Alaska. He gets pulled out of retirement by Roy Campbell because he's the only one who can get the job done. Why are there so many people in fucking Alaska, by the way? There is a lot of people in Alaska. Why is it, Al- like, why is it Alaska? Well, Alaska makes sense for like why they're facility is there yeah but not like why, why they everyone all else is there, there. Just, no. <laughs> like, they was, needed to chill out snake was snake had 50 dogs to take care of he was part of like he was into sledding or dog sledding like he owned animals and he wanted to he's take, a musher uh-huh. i think they he even explains that in the briefing like that he had an event that he wanted to go to in like a week yeah probably the iditarod but uh, i didn't don't remember that part but anyways uh so they brief him they inject him and that's where you get um another uh snake from escape from new york reference uh is that he doesn't like needles um or no he doesn't say he doesn't like needles but uh naomi injects him and she's like what you don't like needles uh just a little ribbing yeah um is there anything else from that that we need to cover I don't believe so from that specific mission briefing. Yeah, so that's like the pre-game mission briefing. Then you get to the actual game start. Well, I mean, not the game start, but the cutscene. The, the underwater water one. Which is about. the worst thing I've ever watched in my entire life. It made Why? me physically sick to watch. Yeah. I literally was dizzy, and then I was like, "Dude, there's no way this game looks like this." And then I, then I like tried to Google the remake. The remake looked exactly the same. What, the what remake sucks? does not look the same. No. Looked, I mean, it, not exactly, but it's still bad. Like, so the, it, well, the issue re- with the remakes or not? Are you talking about like the actual Twin Snakes remakes or like the remasters? No, the remastered version. Oh, yeah, the remaster does. Like even with emulation, because of how the PlayStation hardware works, like any emulation of like any PlayStation 1 game, you'll see like texture wobbling and stuff like that. So like you'll see that for like any PlayStation game if you were to emulate it or play like a remastered or re-released version of it. 
Which is why it looks like it's got, like, just rogue pixels just, like, all over the shop. Or, like, people are just, like, shimmering. Or, like, the background where, like textures are like warping a little bit on top of each other and glitching out or the just... or or the caribou are fucking shadow stepping on it yes i just love the i love like it was because of the they're trying to like make it to where it's water but it's just like the screen like wobbling like wiggling one thing over and over again then when he's inside like when it shows him inside the little torpedo he just looks like a blob it's just all blob together uh, that's what you get. And, I mean, Limitations they, of the time. Yeah. But so, they had, I mean, I don't I, I guess there probably wasn't a better way to do it, but there had to be, I don't know. So, the year's 2005. Group Foxhound, under the command of their leader, Liquid. 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 Snake, re- rebelled against the United government, United States government and has taken over the nuclear weapons disposal, disposal facility on... An island off the coast of Alaska, co- codenamed Shadow Moses, which I believe Shadow Moses. the island area is also cool, called like the Wolf Islands or something like that, like some weird name for it. I forgot to add that. But Foxhound is comprised of the following members: Decoy Octopus, with his ability to just be a decoy, like be he a decoy. can be a decoy. <laughs> Uh, Psychomantis with very impressive psychokinetic abilities. Uh, Vulcan Raven. Uh, the description for him is ridiculous because they just say he's like big and he's shaman. That's all they gave him. <laughs> uh, Sniper Wolf, which is where the YouTuber streamer Sniper Wolf got the name from, but she's problematic, so we're not going to talk about her other than Good that. Help. Um, she is a formidable sniper. She's, can, she takes on missions like by herself as like sniping missions. Cause she's just that good. Uh, and also she's relentless and relentless and uh revolver ocelot, big fan of spaghetti Westerns. He's very good at torturing and he's a very good gunslinger. Yeah. Clearly like at least somewhat inspired by Lee Van Cleef. Yes. I believe that it, he actually is like. Very heavily inspired by Lee Van Cleef. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's official that like they've mentioned that, but like even unofficially, it's like, well, that's Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> and of course, Liquid Snake, their leader, who Liquid. happens to share the same code name Snake as Solid Snake, which is kind of weird. weird. Along with some genome soldiers that they had brought in for that. Well, they man- state, state of the art dipshits. They brought in genome soldiers because if they were regular soldiers, Snake would just walk by them like he was Superman on Earth to regular people. So you had to figure out what's a way to not make these guys, um, not like to not make Snake invincible towards everybody. Oh, let's genome them real quick. And they're not really the perfect, the most perfect genome soldiers. They're either getting colds, shitting themselves, or about to shit themselves, or easily distracted, sometimes falling asleep. But but still better trained than a regular soldier. But Snake is also several years into his retirement. He's got he's lost a step. Yeah, he's about 33, 30ish years old at this point in his career. 
Yeah, I think he was born in 72. Yeah. Um, so, so it would have been like 33, yeah. The demands of these terrorists, with the use of nuclear threat... I got this. They want one billion dollars. They also want the remains of Big Boss within 24 hours. I wonder what they would want to do with the Big Boss's remains. Uh, so, with that, Snake is forced out of retirement it, from what had happened on Outer Haven, or Heaven, and Zanzibar Land. Um, Not to be confused with Zanzibar? Yeah, it is Zanzibar Land. So there's uh, two different Centra- places? Yeah, it's in Central Asia, and it's a landlocked state, whereas Zanzibar is an island off the coast of Africa. Okay. So, he's forced out by Roy Campbell. Don't, don't question it. <laughs> Plot, like that's real. Like that's not made up. That's real. Zanzibar is real. Zanzibar Land is not. Okay, no, I, I, Zanzibar I was Land like, is I was totally like, okay. fake. Okay, Zanzibar Land. Okay, I was like, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I was like, if that's real in real I, life, the name of it's just ridiculous to me. Um, All the names are ridiculous. You, you're right. Psycho Mantis. What, what problem do you have with Vulcan Raven? Vulcan Raven. <laughs> Uh, you know, revolver ocelot. He actually meows. Um, does he really? I, think I love he does that the... in MGS three. You know yeah. what I? Yeah. You know what I really do like about this game. Like I know we don't like. I love that the like main boss is called Big Boss. Like <laughs> yeah. big, like <laughs> Big Boss. <laughs> it's like, it's big easy boss. to explain. Who's the main boss? Big Boss. Yeah, well, he's Big Boss and not Boss. Yeah, Boss. <laughs> Uh, so he's forced out of retirement uh, to infiltrate the island and to neutralize the threat. That is his briefing of what he needs to be doing to get there. Um, during the the briefing, he is injected with the nanomachines from Naomi Hunter, who uh, which serves multitude of purposes, um, which some being to help regulate body temperature so he can stay out in the cold weather longer without like having to catch a cold. Um, there is like a codex sequence between him and someone else where he's like, you know, you, you lose a lot of heat through your head. Cause he doesn't wear a hat the whole time. And he's like, can I wear he a bandana? Wears- and he's like, and the person he's talking to is like, I guess so essentially. <laughs> but, uh, those nanomachines can also be used to restrict usage of weapons if needed yeah, to, which is bullshit. Very much bullshit. Um, it can soothe stomach aches and pains, and it helps with digestion, which is what helps him smuggle his cigarettes in because he he's a smoker. Smoking yeah, it like stops thing. his stomach acid from eating them away. Pretty much. Yeah, so he was able to swallow them and not, as I suspected, put them in his prison pocket. Yeah, which but. is weird. Um, he is sent alone via a single-use sub-missile that had, like, no propulsion system, so it could go in under radar, um, which is kind of neat, uh, but he's sent in with, like, no weapons, no gear whatsoever, other than, again, like, I think he gets a telescope or binoculars and bringing in his cigarettes, (laughs) So anything that he needs, what he has more to, does a man need? Yeah. So anything he needs to get, it has to be on-site procurement or OSP to equip himself for the task at hand. Um, but really, like 
You couldn't just give him a gun. They couldn't fit. Uh, they couldn't fit one on there. I don't know. They couldn't put fit that a in his prison pocket. In the you, could. you couldn't fit one in that torpedo. You couldn't put a SOCOM in there. No. Yeah, he was too busy blobbing it up. Yeah. <laughs> so upon reaching the facility, Snake scouts out the entrance of the base, and that's when we're introduced to um, Mailing, which is a member of Snake's radio support team. And a very, at the time, not good Asian accent. Well, I mean, at the time, it was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You now know. it's like, this is problematic. It's a little bit. Which, in, like, the Master Collection volume, they they even state, like, this is a product of its time. We didn't make any adjustments to it. This is how it was made. And this is how it's still going to be presented. So Yeah, you... I think that's specifically for, like, her accent... Everything Vulcan Raven says, and then like all of Naomi Hunter's pseudoscience gene talk shit. Yeah, because uh, she, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. Um, so Mei Ling, from a gameplay perspective, where um, she's a data analyst, she also like provides Snake with information through the codec system and the Soliton radar. Which I don't. Did that video have the radar on that you had watched, uh, Kevin? Was there like a radar? top right hand corner of the yeah, yeah yeah okay, yeah I wasn't sure. the, because the radar is like a main part of this game without right. that yeah radar, unless you're you playing on play. extra hard because you can't have a radar yeah. on extra hard right so villainous they're they're able to monitor his actions and everyone else's actions and pinpoint where people are at with like the sultan radar and the codex system is actually really unique and neat because it's like a device that i think is similar to like some earbuds these days that it's like they play the vibrations through on like the bones around your ear or in your ear and it you receive that audio through that i don't know if that was like actually a thing back in the 80s when this was or the late 90s when this was made i think it was theorized i don't think it was really in use um but that's just an excuse so that they can be like hey we can call you whenever and nobody's gonna hear it so yeah answer our fucking calls <laughs> so that's pretty much again she 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 does offer up like chinese proverbs and quotes from western figures and literature to kind of just like i don't snake. i don't believe those are real <laughs> chinese proverbs <laughs> and snake offers up his penis and his uh sexual inhibitions towards her towards everyone Every, like, yeah. everyone Bro, like it, everyone's catching some except for Roy Campbell and fucking yeah. Revolver also. He's been he's been in Alaska alone too long. He just well, he wants to stick it everywhere. He's just he's I mean just it's simple. He's horny. I mean it's it's very much in keeping with like James Bond style like business and pleasure, you yeah. know. But at least James Bond is sly with it. This is just like openly like hey uh, nice you're cute. Yeah. Let's, uh, I mean, they're not subtle about it either. Like, Naomi's like, yeah, well, maybe when you get back, you can strip search me. It's like, yeah. uh, this is an open calm. Uh, and Roy Campbell's getting fucked in the corner. Cause... <laughs> yes. uh, the, I, Don't worry, Snake. I'm in the cuck chair. Does it say, did it say if he, like, intentionally made it to have so much sexual tension I, I think that's just Kojima's style. Like, okay. Yeah, uh, he's very... Like, in... growing up 
and having like watching so many movies like and not having him censored by his parents and just like he's kind of a horny guy yeah you see that in a lot of his games like the there, there's like horniness of a bit, like quiet from Metal Gear Solid Five, like bullshit reason why she dresses that way, but he just wanted pretty girl on the game, so mm. yeah, like in at the end of uh, Metal Gear uh, Two, like you get snuck up, like you you defeat Big Boss, and then uh, a soldier sneaks up behind you, and then like she takes off her uniform, so I think she's just in like like a, kind of like a bikini top like a, a commando bikini like top Samus or whatever when her armor breaks off and like or whatever for, when you get a game over screen it's just like a bikini yeah but but uh she's like whoo that that soldier uniform was too tight in the chest area it's just like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. i mean even like sniper wolf her cleavage like is just showing even though she's out in the middle of the cold too yeah and like one of the main ladies in three like i think her titties are out all that, the time that too. is the boss that's the boss. That is the oh, okay, boss. I thought that was the other lady. Or the boss and Eva both do it. At oh, some they point. both. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah, but I figured that's probably our best place to leave off before he infiltrates the facility, and then we can continue and pick this back up next week when he actually infiltrates the facility itself. Before he walks very quickly to a elevator and gets on it and goes up, and nobody yep. notices him on the elevator. Well, yep. I kind of glossed over that a little bit, but he He's does. a master of infiltration. So he he didn't make the elevator make any sound? They, they probably just assumed that the elevator was going back up because it maybe... Yeah, somebody called it. Yeah, yeah I guess. Called it. I don't know. Uh, what's maybe Liquid about wanted to come back scene, down and berate him more. What, what, what is interesting about that scene is like the elevator doesn't come down until like the final person who's credited for the game is listed and then the elevator descends. So you're stuck waiting there no matter what. Yeah, I watched a, uh, I, I was watching a speed run uh, right before we started recording and the guy is just like sitting in the corner by the Jeep, just like tapping on the wall just to fuck with the guards because he's just bored. What? I, th- I think it's technically to like change their, uh, route pattern or right. like the timing of it but like in any case he has to sit there for like two minutes to the point where i thought like he was he like titled it as a speed run and it was really just him like <laughs> sitting there for an hour just to fuck right, with yeah, people yeah. i was like what is this yeah other elevators you can quick tap in the elevator gets you but that's like the only one where you have to sit through like the credits or the intro credits and then i didn't know there was it, two minutes of credits to get on the elevator yeah, yep. that's uh, not it, just sitting there to start a game. Yeah, that's it not is like a cool way to do it, wait. but bro, th- yeah, you got it's, it's what? You got like ten? You got like ten, fifteen minutes of like sub and codex intro. Then you get to there, you have two minutes, and then you go back. Uh, then, then you have another like ten, fifteen minutes of codex intro again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's 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 one of the like biggest troubles I have with playing these games now as an adult. It's just like, dude, I don't have time. Like, if I hit a cutscene, like I've gotta go. <laughs> dude, that's that is so long before you actually play anything. Because I'm assuming the like, what is what's in between the elevator and him getting out of the water? Like thirty feet of dock. Yeah, the, like that. He just well, he's just walking up to the yeah. elevator, right? It's like thirty steps up to the elevator. Well, there's 
two guards, I think, on normal difficulty. But uh, yeah, it's not much. That's that's crazy. There's a there's an extra ration, and uh, it might be two rations, or it might be. Uh, you can chaff explore grenades. around in the water as well. I didn't do that on any of my playthroughs because I kind of forgot you could do that. But I think you can find like other additional rations and stuff that is well that's a long time to intro like a 90s game yeah well like like this is kojima yeah this is it's really the only way to explain it is like that man had his vision and he was gonna do everything to make it come true like very specifically yeah so again uh we'll we'll pick back up with his where he initially infiltrates the facility does everything there you know this wasn't expecting it to take this long to get to that but we all kind of got to talking about other things and that just kind of what's happens and that's okay you should figure yeah. out that anything that you have is going to go extra long with us now no, the I, king should figure that out too it, it, it I did. I just I just come up with stuff somehow. I don't know what's happening. It's just I'm talking. I wasn't expecting the tangent on NASCAR. But, See, I just but come I should out have of expected the one on marbles. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, any final thoughts on what we've covered today? Not particular for me, since I've been talking my ass off about it, but. I like learning about like his start and everything. Well, it, it it makes a lot of sense about who he is and like why his games are that way. Uh, but I like I know who he is and everything, but because I was never into like these games or anything like that, like I don't know very much about him or like the background of this stuff. Like I never played Metal Gear, never got into it. I haven't played Death Stranding. Haven't played like any of his games to be honest. Like I know who he is because he's influential in that space, but other than that, like don't know much. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating character and like one of like probably I would say one of the biggest names currently in video gaming as far as like a developer goes. I mean, like you've got like your Blazinski's, uh, you've got your. Uh, Romero's and uh Cormac's um but and then then, like you've got like all the people influential in Nintendo like Miyamoto but like Hideo Kojima like just came out swinging (laughs) like he was just like I'm like (laughs) yeah it took him a few years being in Konami and then he got his own team and the PlayStation happened, and he's like, well, here we fucking go. And then, like, yeah. this is my world now, essentially. <laughs> well, welcome to the fucking show. To be honest, I, like, I know about I know about a lot of video games, but I don't know about a lot of, like, the developers or the people behind it. I've never been interested in that. It's not like Marvel with Stan Lee or um, DC with... Bro, I just forgot his name. Kane. Kane and Finger? Kane and Finger, yes. Like, it's not like those writing, or like with directors and stuff like that. I've never been, in which I think that's like, I think that's a, I mean, I think, I think that kind of sucks a little bit to not know who like the directors and the people are behind this to like understand the like where the games come from. But I, I bet the majority of people don't know who 
like they'll know who like the base developer company is, but they don't know who like made the game, like or cr- actually created it. If that makes sense, I would imagine like like general audiences know. Like, like obviously, you got the people who are really into it that like like have their guy. Yeah, like, just like people have directors or writers or uh, comic book artists. Like they have like their like they see that names coming out with something new and they get super excited. Um, but like, yeah, general audiences. No, I, I would say video games probably have the least, uh, it's just studios. Informed. It's just like what studio it is because I'm thinking about halo because, you know, halo is a very well-known, like almost everybody knows about halo. I have no idea who actually came up with halo. Like, I don't know who, whose idea it originated from. I did at one point, but uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I couldn't name any of them. I, I agree. It one in, in another thing in Kojima's case, especially with his later games, he's got Kojima Productions plastered over like everything. Yeah. You play Metal Gear Solid Five. Every time you enter a mission or something, it says directed by Hideo Kojima. So like, yeah, ex- except for on the box art. Except for on the box art, because it was right after they had split. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. pretty much all I've got. That's all I got. I mean, I can keep bullshitting and talking if you guys want me to, but uh, I think we should probably wrap it. I think that's probably wise. Um, congratulations, Michael. I think you've done a really good job on this uh, first episode that you wrote. I appreciate uh, ho- it. Hopefully down the line you'll find uh, something else that catches your interest and uh, gives me a week off because that was nice. Oh, well, we'll do Metal um, Gear Solid 2 eventually. God. And that will take God. probably about five episodes. <laughs> Dude, uh, the, the, time, the, the fucking memes! You could, I mean, couldn't you do like four episodes off just the snake's weird timeline? Oh yeah, uh, you like there. There's so much you could do within the Metal Gear universe. Like, we didn't even cover like what happens in the first two games, like yeah. the ones that came out before this. But like. The reason we're covering this one specifically is this one was game changing. Yeah, Hand. for very uh, for the console market, for the genre itself, it pretty much invented the genre of like stealth games. It it it, it was a very influential pillar of the stealth games. It it didn't create it cuz like we had like Escape from Castle Wolfenstein, Monster Maze. Mm. We had a few others. Um but this one was genre defining. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I just uh, didn't want some nerd in the comments being like, "What about this game?" Yeah, 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 we know. But yeah, this one was incredibly influential. Uh, and like, oof, boy, we're gonna get into that fucking story next week. <laughs> the story is very fun. Um, I can't wait to discuss it. I can't. Uh, that's probably going to be our longest part of it. We, we still talk have to about cover gameplay and how much it infuriates me. So I guys, I know we're sk- well, so we're just skipping Thanksgiving together all together this year. We'll try. I, you know, I don't want to be skipping stuff for. Other well, content. I'm, uh, I'm like that's fine, but like so, this episode will come out on Thanksgiving. Or, like, the day before Thanksgiving. So I'm just saying, like, guys, yeah, hope you yeah, have we, a good we, Thanksgiving. 
we we don't really have anything Thanksgiving related this year, but we do have some interesting Christmassy stuff coming up. So yeah. uh, we'll once be, we get through Metal Gear, we'll be more we'll be more holiday uh, oriented when it gets into December, guys. Sorry for not having sort of <laughs> a, a big Thanksgiving thing, but I'll make sure to well, keep the give the holiday spirit for uh, December of all four episodes. Well, I mean, like we did the the history of Thanksgiving last year, and like I, there's certainly other stories I could tell you that are Thanksgiving related, but like, yeah, I don't think there's that much. Like, there's not like what I we, we could bullshit it around, but like Thanksgiving's just fun. It's just a good time. Just, we yeah, uh, I, I didn't have time to go watch the uh, Thanksgiving movie that's coming out. Um, well, it doesn't I mean, come out until this weekend. Yeah, so, uh, like, we, we're we not doing an episode on that this time. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, like, yeah. I, was just, I just wanted to bring up Thanksgiving to the people to know that we acknowledge that it is and yeah. that it's okay that we're not doing a specific episode on it. Don't get mad. Yeah, so since this will be our last episode before Thanksgiving, uh, to all you who celebrate, uh, happy Thanksgiving, I suppose. Um, I'm, I've am i got a whole lot of shit I have to do for this Thanksgiving, so it's going to be stressing me out. Um, but should be a fun time, hopefully. That's all we and need to say. It, we we, don't, yeah, need, we then, don't need to say anything else. But but we got we got some fun episodes planned between now and the end of the year, so... Yeah, we'll pick back up next week with Metal Gear uh, Solid 1, and then uh, then we get into some interesting stuff and some of Kevin's favorite drinks. Not Diet Sunkissed. Not that one. Oh, okay. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Please catch us for more on X at what underscore we underscore consume and on Instagram at what we consume podcast. This week, I'll have a little bit more time off. Hopefully I can actually start putting stuff up and get a real routine in. Like we've stated in earlier of this episode, the mental health, not there. So all I've been able to do is just like get in the episode, doing it. Hopefully I will have some cool things edited into this and we'll be able to show some stuff. But I'm not making, I can make the promise on the edit of like in the actual audio but not the like other content was, but I want to. I'm sorry. It is coming though. I have a plan. It is coming. It is coming. Just stick with us if you care about us at all. Oh, Mike, what's up with you? Um, I, it was a pleasure to host this week. Um, you can catch me at Twitter at Michael Ray V, or on Blue Sky at uh, Grassman94. And I am at King Hagathor on Twitter and Blue Sky. Other than that, bye bye. <laughs>